<coughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Daniel Kay, the host of the Daniel Kays. Uh, what, a, what is this? Oh, where am I? What? Who are you? Why? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Daniel Kay, the host of the Daniel Kay's Let's Plays podcast, the world's first and favourite audio-only video game Let's Play podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's another another Pokemon Blue Nuzlocke challenge episode. The last one was a weird episode. You can listen to that in your own time. Um, oh, jeez. It's actually quite windy. I'm out here in my shed. It's uh, 11 minutes past 3 in the afternoon. I have a tiny, tiny little amount of time to myself. I figured I'd record another episode. What should I do? Oh, which of my neglected Let's Play series should I return to? The Zork series? How about that exciting new Pokemon text adventure series? Man, that shows promise. Hey, how about Gran Turismo? We haven't had Gran Turismo in forever, and I love that series. Oh, it's so much fun. Hey, I could go back to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the, the best uh, series on, on, on the entire channel. Um, no, let's do exactly the same thing we did last episode, which is Pokemon Blue Nuzlocke Challenge. Uh, yeah, I'm just in that mood. I want to keep on continuing on with this story. Um... I'm kind of I'm I'm well and truly in the area of the game where I didn't really get up to very often in my childhood playthroughs. So I think I'm at the gates of the town where the safari zone is. So that uh, presents all kinds of interesting challenges for me as a nuzlocker. But uh, also I don't really know. I have no idea what the layout of this town is like. I'm just going to I'm going to turn the wheel and uh and we're going to we're going to see what's up. Oh, um There'll be another bonus episode, bonus content segment. There'll be another bonus content segment at the end of this where I'll read another chapter of the book I'm reading. So, uh, yeah, I got one piece of quite positive feedback about that. I just got it five minutes ago on my phone. I got it from Harry Brimage of the Consumption Family of Podcasts through the application Twitter. And I was like, hey, one piece of positive, positive feedback? Positive feedback? Good enough for me. Let's get on with it. Turning up the wheel. Alright, we'll continue from where we left off. Player Daniel, badges 4, Pokedex 23. Time played 29 fucking hours and 16 minutes. <laughs> Alright. Uh, let's have a look in the town map. Future City is where I am. Wow, all the way down there. Hey, that cycle route is a long road. Looking at the map, I'm right down. I'm in the southernmost city, which isn't Cinnabar Island. Wow, I'm even lower down than the starting uh, town. L Newbark Town, Little Pellet Village, Tiny Player Character Start Zone. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm just in the sort of... What? Where the hell am I? Oh, okay, yeah, I, I've, I've found my way. Uh, this leads back to the cycle path. Uh, this is where I failed to catch a new Pokemon in Route 18. Those are the three guys uh, that I defeated in battle. And here we are in the in the, in the the town. There's an interesting town. There's like a pond with a swimming Pokemon in it there, which is fenced off. I can't get to it to talk to the swimming-type Pokemon. There's the gym right down here. Let's see if we can walk around and see what's up with this gym. There's a sign in front of the gym. Future City Pokemon Gym. Leader Koga, the poisonous ninja master. Let's enter the gym and see what the heck is up. 
That's one of these information guys. I'll speak to him. Yo, champ in making. Fuchsia, Jim is riddled with invisible walls. Koga might appear close, but he's blocked off. You have to find gaps in the walls to reach him. Uh, let's read these uh, signs. Future City Pokemon, Gym Leader, Koga, Winning Trainer, Jack. Okay, I thought... I could have sworn there was, like... Like, information... Somewhere in the gyms on what kind... He said Poisonous Ninja or something? Is it really Poison-type Pokemon in this gym, or is it, like, Psychic? I wonder. Um... Sarah... Oh, we haven't visited a Pokemon Center yet. Sarah's still a little bit knocked out. 102 out of 136. I kind of want to put her out front. No, let's put Johnny Five... Switch Johnny Five out front. Or just step in front of this first little guy here, who I can see... It, it, it says invisible walls, but you can kind of see where the invisible walls are. So it's like sort of invisible, I guess. But uh, there's one guy here which I can easily get to. Let's just have a quick fight with him, and we'll get a feeling for what this gym is, and we'll come back when we know what's better. So let's... Let's see you beat my special... Techniques. I really have no idea what type these gym people have. Oh, a juggler wants to fight. Juggler. That doesn't really give me any clues, does it? Juggler sent out Drowsy. Oh no, Psychic! Go Johnny Five, Psychic. So, oh fuck, it's level 34. Johnny Five's level 32. Johnny Five, please slash the Drowsy. So what, listeners, what was strong against Psychic? Ghosts are supposed to be strong against Psychic, but some, the intern did the programming for the ghosts in this in this game. Because, uh, yeah, they're not what they should be. Their moves don't affect Psychic Pokemon. So, Johnny Five, your best hope is to slash this thing. Johnny Five, you slash. It would be really good if it was a critical hit dead in one, but... Uh, oh my gosh, critical hit, not quite dead in one, but really impressive. I'm really happy with that, Johnny Five, well done. One more hit and this Drowsy is way out of the picture, and we've got nothing to worry about. Drowsy used poison gas, and it didn't affect Johnny Five. Beautiful slash, slash, Johnny Five, you slash. Oh, yeah, critical hit, and the Drowsy's dead. I was worried for a second there. Johnny Five comes through, and... Uh, Oh, Johnny Five grew to level 33, and the juggler is about to use Kadabra. Yeah, okay, so this is the psychic gym. Ah, well, then I'll change Pokemon. Um, no, Johnny Five, slash, slash, slash. Juggler used Kadabra, hello Kadabra, slash. Kadabra used Disable, but it failed. Great. Johnny Five used slash. Oh, critical hit! Dead in one! I should be wearing my shirt, but I'm just wearing my my drones band shirt. Oh, Johnny Five gained 1,056 experience points. Man, that was real satisfying. I'm kind of in a mood to just keep on going. What? I mean, I mean, I know we have no chance of beating the main guy with with how we are. Not without like, yeah. Let's let's go fight one more grunt. Johnny Five can take on one more grunt. Uh, oh, I missed what the, this grunt person said. They said, something, something is the key for Pokemon. It's strategy. I'll show you how strategy can beat brute strength. Can't beat slashes, though. Nothing can beat slashes. Another juggler. 
Juggler wants to fight one Pokemon. Juggler sent out Hypno. Oh, I've got a Hypno too. It's the Pokemon with the penis for a nose. Oh, man. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um... It's it's a it's a real high level. It's a level thirty-eight. So, uh, I think this might be. Is this the highest level Pokemon I've ever seen up to this point? Which twenty-five, a level thirty-three Sand Slash is gonna kill with slashes. I actually regret. I regret getting myself into this situation, and I wish I could undo it, because thirty-eight. Is really high, but let's just 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 slash it. Critical hit, dead in one. Johnny Five. Hypno used poison gas. Hypno gets the first move off. Johnny Five was poisoned. I'm poisoned. Johnny Five used slash. What are we doing? What do we do to this? A critical hit. Fuck, listeners. It's not even half dead. A critical hit. Johnny Five is hurt by poison. Yeah, fight. Slash Johnny Five. Hypno used psychic. What psychic? I've got a hundred health points, listeners. Uh, they're going down. They're going down. Johnny Five special fell. I'm on 15 health points. Johnny Five used slash. A critical hit. It's not quite dead. It's on maybe an eighth or a ninth of its health. Johnny Five is hurt by the poison. Oh shit! From 15 health! Oh no! We go down to nine. Okay, that's okay. Let's change Pokemon. Who can we... What are we doing, listeners? Who's got the best shot? Mr. Tolly is level 38. Mr. Tolly is the same level as this Hypno. Mr. Tolly, I'm sending you out, buddy. One quick attack and we've got it. One quick attack. Get him, Mr. Tolly. Get him, Mr. Tolly. Hypno used Psychic again from 125 hit points. I'm feeling good about surviving this. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. 70. We went down to 70 and my special fell. Quick attack. Please, just quick attack it to death. Mr. Tolly, use quick attack. Quick attack. It's dead! It's dead! Listeners, the fucking thing's dead. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, I got the heebie-jeebies, listeners. Oh my god. I can't forget to cure Johnny Five's poison. He's on nine... He's on nine hit points. We got Johnny Five down to nine hit points in that, in that fight. Oh man. Oh. I'm all <laughs> goosebumpy. Mr. Tolly gained 667 experience points, and uh, Johnny Five gained 667 experience points, and we defeated the juggler. Oh my god. The juggler says, "What extraordinary!" And Daniel got one thousand three hundred thirty Pokemon dollars for winning. Oh man, antidote! I've got seven antidotes left. I'm using one of them now on Johnny Five. Oh my god. Um, let's leave the gym. Leave the gym. Run away right now. Okay. Okay. So let's keep on exploring the town, shall we, listeners? Oh, look! Next to the gym, there's a little. Uh, this is a weird place. The gym is situated in a weird, like, alley at the bottom of a cliff, uh, which is just in the sort of southern area of this town. Uh, and there's some other houses down here at the bottom of this little sort of hill cliff area. So let's, let's see what's in this house. Some folks, three folks. The first one says, Safari Zone's warden is old but still active. All his teeth are false, though, says this, this woman. 
Uh, there's a kid here. The kid says, Bill files his own Pokemon data on his PC. Did he show you? No. He, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Okay, there's a little bald man here. Huh? You have met Bill? Hey, he's my... He's my grandson? Okay, cool. He always liked collecting things, even as a child. Yeah. I wonder what the whole Pokemon mythology about Bill is. Who's this Bill guy? Bill's just like a character in this game who runs a computer po po Pokemon gram pro computer program where you can store magically computers in a computer. Pokemon. Pokemon's in a computer. So I don't know what his deal is. Uh, oh look, here's the Pokemon Center. Let's enter it and heal ourselves. Cut to when I'm all healed. Okay, cool. There we are. I hope to see you again. Thank you. Yeah, there are uh, three people walking around this Pokemon Center. I'm going to talk to them all, and I'll see if they have anything interesting to say. If they don't, I'll just cut to the end. If they do, I'll drop in with what they're saying. Okay, nope, they didn't say anything interesting. Let's exit the Pokemon Center, and uh, we can either go south or east here. If I go east, I'm jumping down a little cliff I can't back get back up. If I go south, I'm going through a little set of stairs, which I can get back up. Where am I? Okay, I'm on a new route. Town map, use. Sea route, 19. I want a sea route. Yeah, there's the sea down there. Oh, there's a Pokemon trainer here. Oh, there's two of them. They're like fishing people, I guess? Yeah, the sea is down south of me. This is just like a path down to the sea. Let's go back up to the town. Uh, there's more places to explore down there. Let's keep on looking around the town first. Oh, I've jumped down the cliff to the east, and there are more buildings here. Safari Zone Warden's home. Let's speak to the warden. Uh-huh. Oh, wow, he's got a big boulder in his house, which is blocking the entrance to a, a little a little area where he keeps a Pokeball. Let's speak to him. Warden says, Huff, huff, hafoof. Ha, lof, hafif, uh, hafif, ho, hef. He, feel. Okay. So he's lost his false teeth. I haven't seen them, no. Ha, oh, ho, hey, he, hu, he, 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 is what he says. Okay. I remember now, I need to go into the Safari Zone and get this guy's false teeth for him. Uh, there's another building here. What's in this building? There's a guy. This looks like almost like a cabin from the SSN. It's got the same tile set. And there's a guy with a Safari hat on. Hey, I'm the fishing guru's older brother. I simply love fishing. Do you like to fish? I love to fish. Grand. I like your style. Take this and fish, young one. Daniel has received the good rod. Dun, dun. The good rod. Is that the best rod? No. And there's a there's a like a pool in his backyard. I could probably catch a Pokemon in in here, you know? Because I'm in the town map, Fuchsia City, which is a route I haven't caught a Pokemon on yet. But uh, yeah, I tell you what, I'll 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 uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll come back here maybe at the end of the episode and maybe we'll fish for a Pokemon in Fuchsia City. That could be pretty cool. Alright, so over there to the east, there's a, another route, another way to go. And here is what looks like the entrance to the Safari Zone. Pokemon Paradise, the Safari Zone, is what this sign says. And there's a second sign. Future City Behold, its passion pink. Verbatim, that's what it reads. Future City Behold, exclamation mark. Its passion pink, exclamation mark. Weird. The... Just like everything in this game, the city is described in uh, tones of blue. Black and blue, listeners, and white. Blue, black, and white. Monochromatic. There's no pink here. Um, so the Safari Zone. 
let's just enter. Here we are, the Safari Zone. There's what look like two Safari Zone workers here. Hey, we nicknamed the Warden Slowpoke. He and Slowpoke both look vacant. What a dickhead. I speak to his his friend. Slowpoke is very knowledgeable about Pokemon. He even has some fossils of rare extinct Pokemon. Okay, cool. Uh, and then there's another Warden all the way over on the east here. Slowpoke came in, but I couldn't understand him. I think he has got a speech problem. Yeah, okay. So there's this isn't the entrance to the Safari Zone. I thought it was. It's just where all the uh, Safari people hang out. So... Uh, there's a cut downable tree just to the east of this house. Let's use uh, Keith and Andy to cut it down. Keith and Andy cut down the thing. Chop. Done. We go up here. And then there's more cut downable trees. I think these will eventually lead to the safari zone. Cut. Another cut. We go up here. There are Pokemon in little fenced off areas. I think I'm walking through like a municipal zoo or something. Here's another building which could be the safari zone. Let's read the sign. Safari game, Pokemon you catch. All the signs in here are broken. Like the signs have been good up till now. Safari game, Pokemon you catch. All one word, Pokemon you catch. Okay, cool, let's enter here. All right, so we speak to this person. He automatically talks to us. Welcome to the Safari Zone. For just 500 Pokemon dollars, you can catch all the Pokemon you want in this park, provided you aren't playing a Nuzlocke challenge. And if you are, you can only catch the first one you encounter, and if it gets away, you're fucked. That's what he says. Hey, would you like to join the hunt? Yeah, that'll be 500 bucks, please. We only use a special Pokeball here. Down or receive three, uh, no, 30 Safari Balls. Okay, listeners, I'm turning down the volume. So you can hear the wind and my voice. The Safari Zone poses a unique challenge for me. I don't really remember how it works, but if I fuck up the first time trying to catch a Pokemon I encounter, the rules of the Nuzlocke I'm playing dictate that I'm I'm just screwed as far as catching a Safari Pokemon Pokemon Go. So what I'm actually going to do here in front of you all now, because I'm recording on my laptop and I still get a little bit of reception out here in the shed, I'm going to Google the, how the Safari Zone works, so I know what I'm doing before I do it. If this, if you are a person who knows about these Pokemon games, if you're Bassam from the Turtle Power Pod, if you're Keith and Andy from the TuneIn uh, Tune Pod, and you know how these games work, and you think that me Googling the Safari Zone before I enter the Safari Zone is cheating, and I'm catching a, going to catch a, try and catch a Pokemon illegitimately, then castigate me on Twitter... And I will 100% just chuck out the Pokemon which I catch out of shame. So, but here we go. Pokemon Blue Safari Zone into Google.com. Pokemon Red and Blue Safari Zone on the strategy wiki. That sounds good. <clears throat> Speak to the gate attendants to receive 30 Safari Balls. To catch any wild Pokemon you find, toss Safari Balls at them. Often you'll have to throw food or rocks to distract certain Pokemon, so try many different combinations when a particular Pokemon keeps escaping. When you run out of Safari Balls or walk 500 paces, you'll walk back to the gate automatically. 
Safari Zone Area Arrangement Guide. Catching Safari Pokemon. The nice thing about the Safari Zone is that you don't have to fight with Pokemon before you can catch them. Unfortunately, you can only catch them with this weak Safari Balls they provide you. But you do have a few new options. You can throw rocks at Pokemon, make them angry. This makes them easier to catch, but they run away more quickly. Or you can toss out some bait, which makes them stick around longer. But they'll be harder to catch, despite the idea that they are distracted while eating food. To make matters worse, the rarer the Pokemon, the harder they are to catch. You may see a Chansey, only one time in 20, but when you do, you'll probably need to nail her with two rocks before you can snare her in a Safari Ball. That's not to say you couldn't snare a Chansey, or any Safari Zone Pokemon for that matter, without throwing rocks, but it makes it much, much more likely. And since she runs at a hair trigger, it may take 10 or 20 tries until you catch her, so be patient. Really patient. It is also smart to save your game before entering the Safari Zone. This way, if you don't happen to have... Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, cool. So it looks like uh, I, I found a site called the Cave of Dragonflies, where the smallest bugs live alongside the strongest dragons. It seems to be... Uh, I don't know what it's about, but there's got, they've got a page where they break down all the programming and the algorithms associated with how the Safari Zone works to a degree that I don't fully understand. But right at the very end, they surmise it by saying, just chuck balls at it, don't worry about anything. So I'm just going to chuck balls. Um, I got 30 balls to chuck. I hope the first Pokemon I get is a cool one. I'm going to chuck my balls at it. Uh, yeah, let's let's just go for it. We enter the Safari Zone. Has this got cool music? Oh my god. I wasn't expecting this. The Safari Zone music is the Pokemon evolving music. They've just reused it. Holy moly. It feels weird. It feels like I'm about to, to meet a new Pokemon all the time. I guess that's that's what is about to happen. So, there's some long grass here. Let's step into the long grass. And we'll get our first Pokemon. What's it going to be? What's it going to be in the Safari Zone? A Chansey! A wild Chansey appeared. Listeners, I'm fucked. Listeners, I'm absolutely fucked. I read about this. Chansey is the rarest Pokemon in the Safari Zone. And there's no way I can catch it just by chucking balls. I think I need to throw at least two rocks at it, and the chances of me doing that without it running away are measly. So it looks like either I'm getting a Chansey or I'm getting nothing. While Chansey appeared, uh, throw rock, then I'll throw a rock. My hopes are so low. While Chansey is angry, throw a second rock, Daniel threw a rock. Yep, while Chansey is angry. Oh my god! It didn't run away. Chucking balls, Daniel used Safari Ball. The Chansey is in the ball, and... Oh! What the fuck, listeners? What is even happening? Am I recording? Please tell me. Yes, I'm recording. All right, Chansey was fucking caught. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it. Based on everything I've read, that should never have happened. That should never have happened. I cannot believe it. I am absolutely fucking gobsmacked. New Pokedex data will be added for Chansey. Oh my god. Who am I going to name this miracle after? Chansey. Egg. 3 foot 7 inches high. Oh, it's quite short. Uh, 76 pounds. 
a rare and elusive Pokemon that is said to bring happiness to those who manage to get it. Even the description of the Pokemon is like, fuck buddy, you really lucked out. I know game, I know. Do you want to give a nickname to Chansey? Yeah, I do. <sighs> Who can the Chansey be named after? Who deserves to have this Chansey named after them? It doesn't have Phoenix feet. It's just got normal feet. I'm saving Phoenix feet for a uh, Pokemon with Phoenix feet. I don't know, like a Zapdos or something. Um. Yeah, no, fuck it. It can be Phoenix feet. I'm going to name it Cherry. Uh, after, what, Andrew Cherry, a.k.a. Phoenix Feet? Yeah, Andrew Cherry, a.k.a. Phoenix Feet, a.k.a. Ugg from the Consumption Family Podcast, who's a nice guy. You get to be a Chansey. Cherry the Chansey. Perfect. So, C-H-E-R-R-Y. Cherry. Okay, done. Cherry was transferred to Bill's PC. Wow. This is just bananas. Um... I think, what shall I do? My time in here is limited to 500 paces. Shall I just go to the end of the Safari Zone, get this guy's false teeth? I think I learned Surf here as well. There's the rest house, okay, whatever. Yeah, let's just, uh, let's just go through the Safari Zone. Alright, I'm walking through the Safari Zone. Uh, exiting this zone into another zone of the Safari Zone. There's a sign here. Center area, north, area 2. Okay, this is all pretty boring. I might, uh, Oh, a fight. A do-duo. I'm just going to start running away. Do-duo appeared. Yeah, I'm going to run away. And uh, I tell you what, I'll cut to when I find something interesting in this zone. Oh, a Pokeball on the ground here. Let's pick it up. Daniel found a Carbos. Oh, Carbohydrates. What do Carbos do? They build up your strength or your speed? Protein is strength. Carbos would be speed. So who needs more speed? Who's a slow Pokemon? Does Sarah want some speed? Stats. Special speed. Speed Sarah's lowest. I mean, you should really be min-maxing, shouldn't we? And increasing her defense to make her even more. No, let, let's uh, let's max-max rather than min-maxing. I'll give her the carbos. Carbos. Use on Sarah. Yeah, eat those carbos, Sarah. Her speed rose. Alright, let's keep on going through the safari zone. I'll cut back when I find something else interesting. Oh, a Nidorina. Hello. Alright, let's run away from this Nidorina. So, so far, a Doduo, a Nidorina, a Chansey. They're the Pokemon who we've run into when we caught the Chansey. I cannot believe it. Uh, there's another Pokeball up here in the grass. A Max Potion, cool. Let's keep on walking. Another Pokeball here in the grass. A TM37. What could that be? Let's check it out. Man, picking up a lot of stuff. TM37. Booted up a TM. Contains Egg Bomb. Teach Egg Bomb to a Pokemon. <laughs> What? Who could? No one's able to learn Egg Bomb. I wonder if this is that specifically like a Chansey move. Seems pretty messed up for Chansey to be chucking Egg Bombs. Um, oh, here's another Pokeball over here on the east. Daniel found a full restore. And there's another little uh, house here. Let's see what the sign out front of the house says. The rest house. What's in here? There's some people. How many did you catch? I'm bush from the work. So these just boring people that don't say anything. This guy says, I caught a Chansey. That makes this all worthwhile. Let's speak to this person. Hoof, I'm tired from all the fun. <laughs> Me too. I'm also tired from all the fun. This has been a roller coaster. Another Doduo running away. 
Oh, ah, oh, a Paris. Okay, let's run away from the Paris. Another Paris. Oh, Venomoth. Oh, very cool. All right, running away. Pokeball on the ground. Dan found TM40. Let's see what this is. TM40. Booted up a TM and it contains Skull Bash. Teach Skull Bash to a Pokemon? No, not yet. Okay, let's keep on going. Oh, there's a house here. Is this another rest house? Rest house. See if anyone in here has anything interesting to say. My Eevee evolved into a Flareon, but a friend's Eevee turned into a Vaporeon. I wonder why? Speak to this person. Hey, go to the deepest part of the Safari Zone. You will win a prize. Okay, cool. Speak to this person. You can keep any item you find on the ground here, but you'll run out of time if you try to find all of them at once. Okay, cool. So leave this house. Oh! A Rhyhorn appeared. I'll be honest, listeners, the Rhyhorn is kind of what I had in my heart when I stepped into the Safari Zone. I thought, um, yeah, it's, it's cool that I'm playing with Cabbage now, the uh, the Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur? I mean, Geodude, the Geodude, but uh, having a big, I don't know, big Rhyhorn will be pretty cool. Oh, look, it's an Execute. Let's run away from the Execute. Let's keep on going. Oh, there's an item on the ground. Wow. Protein. Protein is strength. Should we give Sarah protein as well? Let's. Protein, yeah. Kind of like, like early on I started loading Sarah up with stuff because she was my main Pokemon after uh, Pacini died. I kind of want to keep on... It's like min-maxing on a macro level where in my party she's the one I just funnel all the stats into. and She's my sort of go-to in a pinch Pokemon. Like as long as it's not water because she's ground... Uh, I, I'm kind of okay. And as long as it's not psychic, is it psychic strong against poison? I don't know, I'm okay with that as well. Anyway, uh, let's keep on walking. So another item on the ground here. Daniel found gold teeth! I found the teeth of the man! Okay, cool. I still just need to find... Oh, there's another item here. No more room for items. Alright, well, let's feed the gold teeth to Sarah. <laughs> no, let's uh, do something else. Alright, I've got a rare candy here. I'll just give it to Cabbage. Cabbage grew to level 18. And now let's pick up this item. The TM32. Let's see. 32. Booted up a TM. It contains Double Team. Teach Double Team to a Pokemon. They're all able to learn Double Team. No. No, thank you. Hey, who was able to use uh, Skull Bash? Let's have a look. Uh, Sarah can learn Skull Bash, Constantine, and Johnny Five. Okay. All the really strong skulled Pokemon. Alright, here is what I think is the the secret house. Let's enter. And speak to this person in this house. Ah, finally. Yeah, I thought it was secret because it had statues around it. That's the mark of secretness, isn't it? Ah, finally, says this person. You're the first person to reach the secret house. I was getting worried that no one would win our campaign prize. Congratulations, you won. You don't have room for this, though. Shit. Okay, let's chuck out that escape rope. All right, I tossed that rope on the ground here. So let's speak to this person again. Finally, blah, blah, blah. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Campaign prize, blah, blah, blah. You've won. Daniel received HMO3. HMO3 is Surf. Pokemon will be able to ferry you across water 
And this HM isn't disposable, you can use it over and over again! You're super lucky for winning this fabulous prize. Yeah! Alright, uh, I have this hope in my heart, listeners, that Sarah will be able to learn Surf. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because she's got, uh, she's got Water Gun, but Water Gun is frankly pathetic. It does nothing, even against, uh, like, Pokemon who are weak against Water Gun. So if she learns Surf, oh man, she'd be messing up other Pokemon all left, right, and center. Boot it up an HM, it contains Surf, teach Surf Pokemon, yes! Sarah's able to learn Surf! Sarah's trying to learn Surf, well done, Sarah! But Sarah can't learn more than four moves, I'm so happy! Julian older room to make room for Surf, yeah. Shit, listeners, this episode has been goddamn the polar opposite of, uh, of last week's episode. Which was marked by a fug of depression hanging over the world of the game, and me playing it. And now this has been just like, bada bing, bada boom, hey, you escaped that gym situation unscathed, you lucky bastard, you don't deserve to have done that. Hey, bang, you caught a chancy, no one will have caught a chancy. Oh, Sarah's learning surf. One, two, and poof, Sarah forgot water gun and Sarah learnt surf. Good job, Sarah. Alright, listeners. I think I'm at the end of the Safari Zone, so I'm gonna also be at the end of this episode by saving. Would you like to save the game? Yep. Now saving. And switching off. And putting down the old Game Boy. And saying thank you for joining me on this uh, incredible episode infused with positivity. Uh, stick around. The second chapter of the uh, of the Moomin book, uh, Moomin Valley Midwinter. Uh, will be read to you by me in the Daniel K's Let's Reads bonus segment of this episode. Um, yeah, so just stick around until after the closing credits. Uh, music has faded away for that special segment. Uh, and uh, if you don't want to listen to that, cool. Switch off now, it's the end of the episode officially. It's just bonus stuff from here on out. And I'll uh, see you again next time you join me on another episode of the Daniel K's Let's Plays Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>
in in future chapters, which I think might even be longer than chapter two, I'll have to stop in the middle and break it up over two episodes. Uh, this one, we're just going to have a long episode. This might be the longest episode yet of the Daniel K's Let's Plays. No. But that's fine. I mean, I'm planning to try a two-hour long episode of just Pokemon gameplay at some stage. Um, just to see how that goes down, how the numbers act. Um, but yeah, so for now, chapter two. Uh, we're going to be reading The Bewitched Bathing House. Um, in the last chapter, uh, Moomin Troll made the first tracks in the snow over the bridge up the slope. They were very small tracks, but they were resolute and pointed straight in amongst the trees southwards. Moomin Troll was going to go south to meet up with his old friend Snufkin, who's my favourite character in these books to date. Maybe another character later on will surpass him. But yeah, Snufkin and Snufkin's dad... Uh, the Jockster are two amazing characters who I love, but uh, I don't even know if Snufkin's in this book. Who knows? We'll we'll, we'll find out. So for now, uh, let's hit Chapter 2, The Bewitched Bathing House. <clears throat> Down by the sea, further to the west, a young squirrel was skipping aimlessly about in the snow. He was quite a foolish little squirrel who liked to think of himself as the squirrel with the marvellous tail. As a matter of fact, he never thought at all about anything for very long. Mostly he just had a feeling about things. His latest feeling was that his mattress in the nest was getting knobbly, and so he had gone out to look for a new one. Now and again he mumbled, a mattress, to himself, to keep himself from forgetting what it was he was looking for. You see, he forgot things very easily. The squirrel went skipping this way and that, in amongst the trees and out onto the ice. He stuck his nose in the snow and he pondered. Looking up at the sky, he shook his head and he skipped along again. He came to the cave on the hill and skipped inside, but when he had got there he wasn't able to concentrate any longer, and so he forgot all about his mattress. Instead he sat down on his tail and began to think that people could just as well start calling him the squirrel with the marvellous whiskers. Behind the great snowdrift at the opening of the cave, somebody had spread out straw on the floor. And in the straw stood a large cardboard box with the lid partly raised. That's strange, said the squirrel aloud, with some surprise. That cardboard box wasn't there before. Must be something wrong about it, or else this is the wrong cave. Maybe I'm the wrong squirrel, but I wouldn't like to believe that. And he poked up a corner of the lid, and he put his head inside the box. It was warm, and it seemed to be filled with something soft and nice. Suddenly the squirrel remembered the mattress. His small sharp teeth cut into the soft stuffing and pulled out a flock of wool. He pulled out one flock after the other and soon he had his arms full of wool and he was working hard with all four paws. He felt extremely pleased with himself. And then all at once something was trying to bite the squirrel in the leg. Like a streak of lightning he whizzed out of the box and then hesitated for a moment and decided to feel more curious than scared. Presently an angry head with tousled hair appeared in the hole he had bitten in the wool. Are you all there, you? said Little Mai. I'm not sure, said the squirrel. Now you've waked me, Little Mai continued severely, and eaten half my sleeping bag. What's the great idea? But the squirrel was so beside himself that he'd forgotten all about his mattress again. Little Mai gave a snort and climbed out of the cardboard box. She closed the lid on her sister, who was still asleep, and went over and felt the snow with her paw. Ah, so this is what it's like, she said. Funny ideas people get. She squeezed a snowball and hit the squirrel on the head with her first throw, and then Little Mai stepped out of the cave to take possession of the winter. The first thing that she accomplished was to slip on the icy cliff and fall down very hard. I see, Little Mai said in a threatening voice. They think they'll get away with anything, don't they? 
And then she happened to think what a Mai looks like with her legs in the air, and then she chuckled to herself quite a while. She inspected the cliff and the hillside and thought for a bit, and then she said, Well now, and she did a jumpy switchback slide far out onto the smooth ice. She repeated this six times more and noticed that it made her tummy very cold. Little Mai went back into the cave and turned her sleeping sister out of the cardboard box. Mai had never seen a toboggan, but she had a definite feeling that there were many sensible ways of using a cardboard box in the winter. As to the squirrel, he was sitting in the wood and looking distractedly from one tree to another. Not for the tale of him could he remember in which one he lived, or what he had gone out to look for. <clears throat> we return to Moomin Troll listeners. I should say, uh, this is not in the book, this is the, the uh, this is me, Daniel K, talking to you, not reading off a page. There are, uh, there are two girl characters introduced in this chapter. There's Little Mai, and then there's another one who we'll meet later on. So don't get confused and think they're the same person when we when we run into them again. It's a new person, that's all. We'll go back to the book. <coughs> Moomintroll hadn't come very far south, when darkness was already creeping under all the trees. At every step his paws sank deep into the snow, and the snow was not in the least as exciting as it had been. The silence and the stillness of the wood were complete. Only now and then a large sheaf of snow came thumping down from a tree. The branch from which it had fallen rocked a while, and then all was lifeless again. Oh, the world's asleep, Moomintroll thought. It's only I who am awake and sleepless. It's only I who have to wander and wander day after day, week upon week, until I too become a snowdrift that no one will ever know about. Just then the wood opened out, and before him stretched another valley. On the other side of it he saw the lonely mountains. They rolled away southwards in wave upon wave, and never had they looked more lonely than this. Only now Moomintroll began to feel the cold. The evening darkness came crawling out of the clefts and climbed slowly up towards the frozen ridges. Up there the snow was gleaming like bared fangs against the black mountains, white and black, and loneliness everywhere. Somewhere on the other side of it all is Snufkin, Moomintroll said to himself. He's sitting somewhere in the sun, peeling an orange. If I only knew that he knew that I'm climbing these mountains for his sake, then I could do it. But all alone, I'll never manage it. And Moomintroll turned around and slowly plodded back in his own tracks. I'll... I'll wind the clocks, he thought. Perhaps that makes the spring come a little bit earlier. And someone might wake up if I happened to break something very big. But he knew in his heart that no one would wake up. And then something happened. A small track went scuttling across Moomintroll's own track. He stopped, and he stood looking at it for a long time. Something alive had padded through the wood, perhaps no more than half an hour ago. It couldn't have gone far. It had gone towards the valley, and must have been smaller than himself. Its paws had hardly sunk into the snow at all. Moomintroll felt all hot inside, from the tip of his tail to the tops of his ears. Wait, he shouted. No, don't leave me alone, he whimpered a little as he went stumbling along again through the snow. And all of a sudden, he felt a great terror of the darkness and the loneliness around him. His fright must have hidden itself somewhere all this time since he had woken in the sleeping house. But this was the first time he dared to feel really afraid. Now he didn't shout anymore because he thought how horrible it would be if somebody answered him. He didn't even dare to lift his snout from the track that was hardly visible in the dark beneath him. He just crawled and stumbled along and whimpered softly to himself. And then he caught sight of the light. It was quite small, and yet it filled all the wood with a mild red glow ahead of him. 
Moomintrol calmed down. He forgot the track, and he continued slowly on his way, looking towards the light, until at last he saw that it was an ordinary candle thrust steadily upright in the snow. Around it stood a tiny sugar loaf of a house built of round snowballs. They looked transparent and slightly orange-yellow, like the shade of a night lamp at home. On the other side of the lamp, someone had dug herself a cosy hole. Someone who lay looking up at the serene winter sky, whistling very softly to herself. What song is that? asked Moomintrol. It's a song of myself, someone answered from the pit. A song of two Tiki who built a snow lantern, but the refrain is about holy other things. I see, Moomintrol said, and seated himself in the snow. No, you don't, replied Tutiki, genially, and she rose up enough to show her red and white sweater. Because the refrain is about things that one can't understand. I'm thinking about the Aurora Borealis. You can't tell if it really does exist, or if it just looks like existing. All things are so very uncertain, and that's exactly what makes me feel so reassured. She lay down in the snow again and continued looking up at the sky. It was quite black by now. Moomintrol also put up his snout and looked at the sparkling northern lights that probably no other Moomin had ever seen before him. They were white and blue, and a little bit green, and they draped the sky in long, fluttering curtains. I think it exists, he said. Tutiki did not reply. She crawled up to the snow lantern and lifted out her candle. We'll take this home, she said, before the groat comes and sits down on it. Moomintrol nodded gravely. He had seen the groak once, an August night long ago, cold and grey like a lump of ice she'd squatted in the shadows of the lilac bushes and just looked at him. But what a look, and when she slunk away the ground was frosted white where she had sat. For a moment Moomintrol wondered whether winter itself wasn't something that ten thousand groaks had made all by squatting on the ground, but he decided to take up this matter later on when he knew Tutiki a little bit better. While they found their way back, the valley seemed lighter, and Moomintrol saw that the moon was up. The Moomin house stood by itself asleep on the other side of the bridge, but here Tutiki turned westwards and made a shortcut through the bare fruit orchard. There were a lot of apples here last fall, Moomintrol remarked sociably. But now there is a lot of snow, replied Tutiki distantly, without stopping. They came down to the shore. The sea was one single vast darkness. They walked cautiously out on the narrow landing stage that led to the Moomin family's bathing house. I used to dive from here, Moomintrol whispered very softly, and looked at the yellowed and broken reeds that stuck out from the ice. The sea was so warm, and I swam nine strokes under the water. Tutiki opened the door to the bathing house. She went in first and set the candle on the round table that Moomin Papa had found floating in the sea a long time ago. Everything was quite the same as usual in the old octagonal bathing house. The knot holes in the yellowed board walls, the small green and red window panes, the narrow benches and the cupboard that held the bathing gowns and the slightly air-leaky rubber hemulin. Everything was exactly as in summer, but still the room had changed in some mysterious way. Tutiki took off her cap and it climbed straight up the wall and hung itself on a peg. Oh, I'd like to have a cap like that, said Moomintrol. You don't need any, said Tutiki. You can just always wiggle your ears to keep your head warm. But you do have cold paws, and then over the floor two woolen socks came waddling and lay themselves down before Moomintrol. 
At the same time, a fire was kindled in the three-legged iron stove in the far corner, and someone started cautiously to play the flute under the table. He's shy, Tutiki explained. That's why he plays under the table, you see. But why doesn't he even show himself? asked Moomintroll. Why, they're all so shy that they've gone invisible, Tutiki replied. They are eight very small shrews who share this house with me. This is Daddy's bathing house, Moomintroll said. Tutiki gave him a serious look. You may be right, and you may be wrong, she said. In the summer it belongs to Daddy. In the winter it belongs to Tutiki. And a pot started to boil on the stove. The lid was lifted off and a spoon stirred the soup. Another spoon put in a pinch of salt and then it was tidily returned to the window still. Outside the cold sharpened towards the night and the moonlight was reflected in all the green and red panes. Tell me about the snow, Moomintroll said, and seated himself in Moomintpapa's sun-bleached garden chair. I don't understand it. No, I don't either, said Tutiki. You believe it's cold, but if you build yourself a snow house, it's warm inside. You think it's white, but at times it looks pink, and then another time it's blue. It can be softer than anything, and then again harder than stone, and nothing is certain. A plate of fish soup came carefully gliding through the air and put itself on the table before Moomintroll. Where have your shrews learnt to fly? he asked. Well, said Tutiki, better not ask people about everything. They might like to keep their secrets to themselves. Don't you worry about the shrews and nor about the snow. Moomintroll drank his soup. He looked at the cupboard in the corner and thought of how nice it was to know that his own old bath gown was hanging inside. That something certain and cosy still remained in the middle of all these new and worrying things. He knew that his bath gown was blue, and that its hanger was missing, and there was probably a pair of sunglasses still in the left pocket. After a while, he said, That's where we used to keep our bath gowns. Mother's is hanging furthest in from the door. Tutiki reached out her paw and caught a sandwich. Thanks, she said. You must never open that cupboard. You'll have to promise me. I won't promise anything, Moomintroll said surlily, looking down into his soup plate. All of a sudden he found that... It was the most important thing in all the world to open the door and see for himself whether the bath gown was still there. The fire was going nicely. It roared in the stovepipe. The bathing house was warm and pleasant, and under the table the flute took up its lonely tune again. Invisible paws carried the empty plates away. The candle burned down, and the wick was drowned in a lake of grease. Now the only light came from the red eye of the stove and the pattern of red and green moonshine squares on the floor. I'm sleeping at home tonight, Moomintroll said sternly. Fine, replied Tutiki. Moon hasn't gone down yet, so you'll find your way back home very easily. And the door glided open all of itself, and Moomintroll stepped out into the snowy planks. Well, never mind, he said. Anyway, the blue bath gown's in the cupboard. Thanks for the soup. The door glided shut, and all around him was nothing but silence and moonlight. He looked quickly over the ice, and he thought he could see a big, clumsy groke shuffling along somewhere near the horizon. He imagined her waiting behind the boulders on the shore, and as he passed through the wood, her shadow was silently creeping behind every tree trunk. The groke who sat down on every light and bleached every colour. Finally, Moomintroll came home to his sleeping house. Slowly, he climbed the enormous snowdrift to the northern side and crawled up to the hatch in the roof. The air inside was warm and moomin-smelling, and the chandelier jingled in recognition when he padded over the floor. 
Moomin Troll lifted the mattress from his bed and he laid it on Moomin Mama's bed mat. She sighed a little in her sleep and mumbled something he couldn't understand, and then she laughed to herself and she rolled a little nearer to the wall. I don't belong here anymore, Moomin Troll thought, and nor over there. I don't even know what's waking and what's a dream anymore. And then in an instant he was asleep, and summer lilacs covered him in their friendly green shadows. Little Mai lay in her frayed sleeping bag, feeling very vexed. A wind had sprung up in the evening and blew straight into the cave. The wet cardboard box had burst in three different places, and most of the stuffing was confusedly blowing about from corner to corner of the cave. Hello, old sister, little Mai shouted, and she knocked the mimble in the back, but the mimble slipped. She didn't even move. I'm growing angry, said little Mai. When for once one could have had some use for a sister, she kicked herself free from the sleeping bag, and then she crawled to the opening and looked out in the cold night with some delight. I'll show you all, little Mai muttered grimly, and she coasted down the slope. The shore was lonelier than the end of the world, if indeed any of you have been there. With low whispers, the snow was sweeping its large fans over the ice. Everything was dark because the moon had set by now. Well, here we go, said Little Mai, and she spread her skirts in the evil northern wind, and she started to slide along between the snow spots, swerving left and right, spacing her legs with the secure poise you usually have if you are a Mai. The candle in the bathing house had burned down long ago when Little Mai passed. She could only see the pointed roof outlined against the night sky, so she didn't even think for a moment, oh, there's our old bathing house. She sniffed in the sharp and dangerous smells of winter and stopped by the shore to listen. The wolves were howling far, far away in the lonely mountains. Makes the blood curdle, little my murmured, grinning to herself in the dark. Her nose told her that there was a path here that led to the Moomin Valley and to the house where one could find some warm quilts and possibly even a new sleeping bag. She dashed over the shore and straight in amongst the trees. She was so small that her feet made no tracks at all in the snow. And listeners, that's it. That's the end of chapter two. Oh, gosh. So next we'll have chapter three, The Great Cold, and that's probably the best chapter I've read yet. Um, And I haven't read much past that. So stay tuned uh, for chapter three coming next next Pokemon Blue Nuzlocke episode. Bye-bye. The diver is my love And I I am not deceived